Ladies and gentlemen, you go to a really good church. Oh, man. Look at this dream team up here. One weekend a year, the NBA has All-Star Weekend. Y'all get it every weekend. Every weekend. It's crazy. I'm not kidding, man. Look at this. Please. What if I made them stay up the whole sermon and just sort of play and do whatever they wanted? Wouldn't it be great? We just tag team once in a while. I'd be like... Wouldn't it be great? We just send it out. Hit it. Go. Don't we need some, a West Indian voice this morning? Don't, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what? Oh, go. I'm just playing. Thank you, guys. You guys are amazing. That is so great. But that coat, though, right? That coat. White people, you can't wear that coat, okay? Let me just throw that out there. Don't try to pull that off. I, I saw you. You were like, yo, the keyboardist, man, that coat is pretty fly. It is, but it's not for you. You understand that? All right. Yo, I don't know about you. Oh, have a seat. Have a seat. We got to get into this. I don't know about you, but this year already feels like two or three years to me. Here's, here's how this year feels to me. Let me show you this little video right here. I think it encapsulizes my year so far. Heart, yeah, you laugh. This is my life, right? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know what it is. It's just something about it. Play it one more time. Watch this, because you can't hear in the sound, but it's hysterical. Watch this. She says, um, you know, this is what it feels like, you know, when you. Bam! She didn't even say go, and she's down. She's down again. Now, right here, her mom goes, Emily, are you okay? She's like, yes! <laughs> then her father yells out, well, then run! And she's like, I'm trying! It's awesome. And 2022 feels like this for me. I'm trying to get it started and bam. I'm trying to get motivated to bam. Somebody's cheering me on. They're they're encouraging me. I stretch, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Well, then go. I'm trying. But I had a very cool experience at the end of last year. My daughter got married to this really cool kid. He went to medical school down in Florida. And if you're going to go to medical school, do it in Florida. <laughs> he literally is studying like 80 hours a week, but mostly on the beach. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm so jealous. So we go down there and they said, we want you to come down for, uh, for our family's Christmas. My daughter's been married like two years and now she's her own family. She's got her own you know, she's like, we want to start our own tradition. So why don't you come down and do Christmas in Florida? I didn't even know they had Christmas in Florida. No snow, no, I don't know. So we go down there. Their Christmas tree is a palm tree. It's awesome. All the decorations are just shells that they found over the last two years being down there. Sand dollars and things. Turned out, we were collecting sand dollars one time down there. Turned out the ones you dig up, they're alive. And we just brought them home and killed them. I didn't know. I thought they were just floating around down there and they were like shells, but yeah, I put them in bleach to clean them up too, you know? What a jerk. Hey God, thanks for this beauty. I just thought I'd wreck it for a while. I'm sure everybody else wants to enjoy these, but now they're mine. Don't worry, I'll bleach them. Idiot. So we do Christmas down there and literally everything is different. Everything. We uh, woke up Christmas morning and uh, my daughter's already up. She's in her workout clothes. She's already gone for a run with the dog. And she's going to the bedroom. She's like, hey, get up. Get your bathing suit on. We're going to the beach. Merry Christmas. I'm like, this is where you go when you die and you're right with the Lord. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. The beach is my favorite place and Christmas, favorite holiday. This is beautiful. And everything was different. They had new traditions. They, um, <laughs> they, 
They said, okay, we're going to, um, new tradition in the Sorensen family. That's my, my son's name, uh, Kenny. He says, uh, we're going to do a, a Christmas. Everybody's going to put together their Christmas PowerPoint presentation of what they're passionate about. Everything was different. My wife goes like this. Uh, no, we're not. I don't even know what a PowerPoint is. Just like that. And he goes, oh, don't worry, I'll help you. So the next day she's doing dishes and Kenny comes in with the computer and he just starts typing. He goes, okay, mom, I'll put together your, um, your presentation. What are you passionate about? She goes, I don't, I don't know. He goes, okay, well, let's, let's go the other side. What are you perturbed about? Bing, light bulb goes on. <laughs> the airing of grievances just started. Oh, perturbed? Oh, I got a lot of problems with people. And she just, she just starts naming off things that annoy her, pet peeves, things that have just been killing her. A lot of things that I do. <laughs> and I'm learning, sitting in the other room, trying to watch the game, and I'm just learning like, oh, you hate that? I always do that. Oh, you hate that too? Oh, I always do that. I, uh, this is probably, you know what? This is probably a little intimate. But I feel like we're family, so I can share this. She says, you know what really perturbs me? When people don't close the door when they go to the bathroom. <laughs> and everything inside of me just went, oh, that's me. I don't even like closing the door when I'm in a restaurant. I'm like, I'm gonna get all closed in. I don't like it. I don't know why, that's so weird, right? Ever since Christmas though, I'd be closing and locking the door. Every time I do it, it's just like a little love note to my wife. Hey, love you. I'm so glad I did yesterday because here's how bad my life is starting out. My wife told me not to tell this story. But I feel like we've entered into a realm that I have to tell this story. My life coming out of the starting blocks looks exactly like this. Yesterday, I'm with one of my very best friends of 40 years in my life for breakfast in a tiny little diner called the wheelhouse. It's not big enough to put a wheel in. It's so cramped. We get up to go. I go, I just got to go to the bathroom. I'll see you. He gets in his car. We hug later. I go into the bathroom. Bathroom is tiny. I mean, airport, airplane kind of tidy. You get in, you got you to suck it in, close the door. <laughs> fellas, you can't stand in this bathroom. You got to sit. But fellas, you know that sometimes when you sit, the type of bathroom that you thought you were going to go in for changes numbers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. I was not planning on this, and yet I'm sitting there, and I realize there's a heating duct down here, and it is blowing this hot air, and I've been freezing all morning. It was bitter cold. I rode my bike to the wheelhouse. I was freezing, and the air is just pumping. I'm just like, Lord, that is great. It was like a heated seat when I sat down. It was awesome. But not thinking, I grab the toilet paper, I wipe, I bring it around to fold it, to put it around, the air blows it, bam, right on my cheek. I'm not kidding. Bam. And it sticks. 2022, get the starting blocks, bam. The bathroom's so small that the mirror is angled at a place that you can see your entire body on the toilet. And bam, I got this. And I have to peel it off like it. It's not okay. You have no idea how long I spent in that tiny little bathroom scrubbing, just washing and sanitizing, dying for a thing of bleach. I would have just been like, yeah. I'm sorry, Jill, you told me not to tell this story, but I got to, this, you got to tell people, it's, it's a community service, mostly for the children. Watch the air ducts, they're, they're forceful, some of them, I don't know. My house, we have radiators, they don't blow TP in your face, no. They just bang like somebody's just hitting them with like a wrench, right? It wakes me up every morning, but I'll take that over the air and the boom. Pastor Marco and Pastor Lindsay, I want to officially apologize. <laughs> you, my friends, are on your 16th anniversary and you turn this microphone over to an idiot. 
these nice people did not come this morning to hear about my accident. Thank you. Thank you. That's what we will refer to this as. And you're not permitted to tell this story outside this building. But if it happens to slip out, what you must say is, in a West Indian act, accident is what you must say. The pastor told us about this accident. And he's in the starting blocks and go, blam! What the heck? I literally got up, looked in the mirror and just let it sit there for a minute. It was like, this is my life. So in Galatians chapter two, what I wanna, how you transition from that, right? Jill, you were right on every, she's always right. Just don't tell that story. That story has no purpose for you this morning, except a warning to you, okay? So just, if you end up with toilet paper in your face, it's not on me. I've told you about this and warned you, okay? Tell your friends. Don't tell them that was me. Galatians two, because we're walking through Galatians with pastor, right? And he's talking about Paul who wrote this, is this amazing pastor from a Jewish heritage where he saw Christ in Christ's life and thought, he's a problem. Where the disciples saw Christ and said, he's the savior. Paul saw a problem until God put him in time out for three days and took away his sight because all he could see is Jesus as a problem. And in his blindness, he was able now to see Jesus as the answer. And everything has changed. In Galatians now, things have changed. Watch the timeline too. He's pastoring these churches all around the Mediterranean. And he shows up and starts this church in Galatia, then he leaves. And 14 years later, he goes again to Jerusalem. And he took Barnabas. Think of the timeline. Sometimes you read the Bible and you're just reading it and you're reading and reading and reading. And, it's going, and it seems like everything's happening very fast. I just want you to see this real quick. God's not in a huge hurry. I am. I should have taken that toilet paper off immediately. I let it linger, though, for a moment. I think just so I never got here again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, any athletes in here? You lose in the championship game. The other team's going crazy. The confetti's coming down. And my coach used to pull me over because we would get to the championship a lot, but we would lose that game multiple times. And he would sit there and say, no, let's not go back to the locker room. Watch this. And we'd watch the other team high five and party and celebrate and get the trophy. And he'd be like, why, why, why are you making us watch this? I want to see that. He says, I want you to remember what this feels like. It's so much cooler to be on that side, isn't it? So next year, this off season, tomorrow, when we start preparing for the next season, I want you to get your game face on. And I want you to remember that. I looked at the mirror with my toilet paper on my face and went, remember this, you moron. Use your head. God is not rushing through everything. Sometimes he lets some things linger. 14 years later, Paul says, I went back and I wanted to check on are things going as planned? Paul at first was at a place where he thought when, when, when Jesus said he was the answer, he falls to his knees, he gets his sight back. He, he, he falls in love with Jesus and he wants to tell every Jewish person that the, about the son of God. And the whole time, God's nudging him about, the Jews already know about God. Look at all of the others. And they were just called Gentiles. Me, I'm Italian. I'm just, I was a Gentile. You, you're Cape Verdean. You're just a Gentile. You're not from Israel. You're not from Jerusalem. You're not one of the chosen ones. This whole Old Testament, this whole section right here is for the Jews. It's for God's special people. It's instructions and encouragements. It's discipline. It's disappointment. Then it's redemption. Then it's empowerment then it's disappointment, then it's rescue, then it's redemption, then it's empowerment, then it's leading. And then he looks back and he's disappointed again. The whole story just keeps going through this cycle. And now Jesus shows up and Paul now is amazed. And God says, Jesus is for everybody, everybody. 
So he says, I, I, I spoke to them about this good news that I'm preaching among the people who are not Jews. Everybody. First of all, I talked alone to the important church leaders and I wanted them to know what I was preaching. I did not want, I did not want that which I was doing or would be doing to be wasted. I don't want to tell the whole church that Jesus is for everybody and then have all the pastors get up who are there every week going, it's just for us Jews. Let's just keep this to ourselves. Let's go to the next one. Titus was with me. He's young and he's a Greek. He's definitely a Gentile, not a Jew. He did not have to go through the religious act of becoming a Jew. Anybody hear of um, different acts Jewish people have to go through? You know, I, I, I went to a school that had several Jewish people in it. Bar mitzvahs are great parties, man. They are the greatest. Somebody invite you to their bar mitzvah, go. It's so fun. It's great. There's all these rituals that they go through. You know what boys get to have happen in the first week of their life? See, I figured if we're going to talk about circumcision, we can definitely talk about TP in the face, right? I don't know. I mean, this is in the Bible. I didn't, I didn't make it up. So Paul's literally saying like, Titus is with me. Titus is on board. Titus is preaching the gospel. Titus is my trusted leader. And he didn't go through these religious acts of the Jews because it's a new day. Everything that happened at Christmas for me felt like a new day. And there's a chance that I didn't like it. There's definitely could be a chance that I didn't think it was all that great. Because I like Christmas the way that it was, the way that it is for me, the way I conceive it in my mind. I'm, I'm 51 years old. I had 51 Christmases. They didn't look like anything like I just had. And if I didn't get on board... I might have wasted a lot of time in Florida and a great deal of energy as we made up our PowerPoint presentations and these new traditions. But I did get on board because it was awesome. And I could see that this new family that I got to marry, I walked my daughter down the aisle, then said, wait here. I kept walking up the stairs, turned around and married them. That's the greatest day of my life, man. It was awesome. And then to watch this new family kind of give birth to these new traditions and to kind of own it as their own, it was so cool. But every once in a while, I could feel there might be the old man side in me that would be like, why are we doing this so different? We'll be getting Chinese food for Christmas. I never did that before. It was awesome. Dude, eat dim sum for Christmas. It's awesome. It's so good. But I have to be open to some new things. See, so these people, some men who called themselves Christians asked about Titus not being from the right group of people. And they got in our meeting without being asked, which meant they just kind of showed up. They came there to find out how free we are who belong to Christ. See, because the Old Testament has a lot of laws, rules, and obligations. And Christ came to say, I didn't come to abolish that law. I came to fulfill it. But in my fulfillment, and when I leave and take a step back, you're going to be filled up with this Holy Spirit. You know what he's going to do? Break every chain. He's going to grow you up and mature you. You know, he, you know who needs a ton of rules, like spelling out every little thing for your life? Little kids, little babies, little toddlers. They're mature. They don't know. I don't know. You know who else needs a lot of rules? Apparently me, because I'm too stupid to use the bathroom correctly in a restaurant. But it's the immature side of us that needs rules. This is what you're going to wear. This is what you will eat. This is when we go to bed. This is when you wake up. But as you grow up, there's a freedom now. Assuming that you understand those rules, Paul says, now, let's say this. Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. So as a mature Christian, use your head and celebrate this freedom that we have. But it's not freedom to go nuts. It's not freedom to just go sin and live, your own, live wild and hurt others and hurt yourself and put yourself in danger of being ensnared and trapped by an addiction or, or all kinds of problems. No, that's not that type of freedom. That freedom is not freedom at all. It's the freedom that we have like a dog in a penned in beautiful lawn. He's free. 
He can run and play, jump around with no fear, jump outside that fence and just of fear. But this freedom is so great. And here are the church people going, we're here to check out your freedom. What's going on in here? They tried to get us to be chained back to the law, but we don't listen to them or do what they wanted us to do. So the truth of the good news might be yours. The truth of Jesus' good news is freedom, freedom, freedom. But it is not the freedom that a four-year-old might have if if their dad was to give them the keys to the car and go, you're free, do what you want, go. It's not that kind of freedom because that kind of freedom is harmful to the four-year-old. It's it's the freedom that says, I am no longer under any obligation. I get to live and breathe in Christ. You know what, watch the shift. It goes from my mom made me go to church to in freedom, I get to go to church. I get to worship with this all-star team. I get to hear the word. I get to see other people. I get to meet new people. I get to be reminded that I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. And every week we're gonna do this, and then tomorrow on Monday, you're gonna join the mission and even go deeper into, into crews and into family like that? Please, sign me up for that kind of freedom. And Paul's all about this because he knows about grace. You know what he was on the way to do when Jesus got a hold of him and put him in time out and blinded him for three days. What was he going to do? Kill all the Christians. No joke. You can't even make this stuff up. He was literally on his way to physically kill the Christians in church because he was sure they were messing up the word of God. Because God was Yahweh and Jehovah. He wasn't this Jesus dude from Nazareth. No Nazarenes are any good. Now Paul experiences the grace of Jesus. When he's so sorry for what he's doing, God says, I forgive you. I went to the cross to forgive you. When Paul says, you think you're a sinner? I'm team captain of team sin. I am the captain of this team. Nobody needed God's grace more than me. And so now he's all about this freedom and this grace to you and to you and to you and to you and to you. And he doesn't want anybody in the church saying, oh, oh, tighten that up. Don't give that away. No, no, no. Give it away. Every second, every breath you breathe, every second of the day, just give it away. And the more you do that, the more you mature, the stronger your legs get, the more you want to walk in the word, the more obedient you are, the more filled with God's presence you are. And there's real freedom in that. For real. Oh, man. There is so many things I want to tell you, but I ain't got time. Marco loves to do this. Hey, we're right in the middle of a series. Preach this segment right here. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to give him the whole thing. But I'm I'm only going to give you a taste. Because next week, we're going to do more Galatians. And next week after that, more Galatians. So I don't want to give you everything, but I want you to see one of these things. So watch this. So we didn't listen to them. We didn't do what they wanted to do. Those who seemed to be important church leaders did not help me. Isn't that interesting? In God's economy, in his kingdom, sometimes status and things. It's why I want to be honest with you. I start this year not flying out of the gates, but kind of stumbling on my face. But they did not teach me anything new. Wouldn't that be awful? You walk away from church today. Hey, how was church? I don't know. They didn't teach me nothing new. I thought the pastor told you how to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, I did learn one thing. I did. They didn't teach me anything new. What they were, I mean, only the Bible says it like this. What they were, I did not care. What their position had, I don't, I don't care. What their, their special parking spot was, and they're like, I don't care. I don't care. God looks on all of us as being the same. Let's go to the next one. Anyway, they saw how I had been given the work of preaching the good news to all the people, not just the Jews. As Peter had been given the work of preaching the good news to the Jews. For God helped Peter work with the Jews. Isn't that really cool about God too? He'll, he'll allow you to work within your Setting. Sometimes he'll pull you out of your comfort zone and sometimes he'll say, no, 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 this is your lane, man. 
This is your mission field. Peter was a Jew and that, that was his people. They were his boys, his girls. So, so it was good for him to be involved in that. But then God also opened up his mind. Remember, sent him a vision that, that there was food coming down from heaven and there were all kinds of forbidden foods on there that in the Old Testament were unclean. And the Lord says, eat that food. And Peter goes, what? No, no, no. Lord, I don't, I don't eat anything unclean. I want to be faithful to you. And he goes, hey, I just gave you this food. Anything from me is clean, bro. Anything from me is holy, is pure, is right. So if it's coming from me, don't say no to that. And he's like, oh, then give me the whole thing. And he gets it. But watch. He also helped me work with those who are not Jews. And James and Peter and John were thought of as being the head of the church leaders. And they could see that God's loving favor had been given to me. Let's go to the next one. Barnabas and I were joined together by shaking hands. And then we were sent off to work with the people who are not Jews. And they were to work with the Jews. 14 years later, Paul's back. They've asked us to do only one thing. We were to remember to help poor people. And I think that's important also. How great is that? What's your mission statement as a Christian, as a church? Uh, Help poor people. Dude, that's not bad. (laughs) That's that's not bad. If you've never been to church before and you're like, so what's the gospel all about? You know what? Um, We're supposed to give away all the goodness that God's given us because we stand in, in a position of never ceasing provisions. If God's got me, he's always got me. And he keeps on getting me. You remember those times where you were living with nothing? You remember those times where you had more than you needed? God's in the midst of all of that saying, I got you. So just keep giving it away. Not just a food pantry, not just money, but, but everything, every part of this, especially the gospel. Go and help the people who need it the most. That's everybody who's now blind to Christ, let them in, let them in. And so they're like, all right, so you're gonna work with the Jews, I'm gonna work with the Gentiles, that's cool. Let's agree on one thing. Let's both keep helping poor people. That's a bet, yes. Let's do that as much as we can. But when Peter comes to Antioch, I had to step to him. That's a funny thing in the Bible. Like we don't see a ton of confrontation. But Paul says, I I had to have a word with Pastor Peter. Because he was guilty. <laughs> you ever say that to somebody? Yo, I just had a word with your boy there. You know why? Because he's guilty. <laughs> Who are you? Who do you think you are? Paul's like, dude, I'm not judging here. I'm saying that Peter isn't living the way he even taught me how to live. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to have a word with him because he was guilty. Peter had been eating. Now remember, in Jewish culture, you eat with somebody, you break bread with somebody. Dude, you are tight. You are buddies. You are boy. You are you are family. You don't just break bread with anybody. You know how hard food was to come by. You just go to drive through and get a dollar McDouble. You know that food's cheap and easy. Hey, I'll I'll buy you a McDouble. McDouble for you too. Okay. This dude right here is like, yo, I seen Stretch before. He might have a McDouble to give me. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint. Come back at 11, I'll send Jill out. <laughs> Paul says, Peter, you're missing out because you're eating with people who are not Jews. And that's what the church is all about. You're on mission. But after some of the leaders came who had been with James, he started to keep away from the non-Jews. He started to fall back into what was comfortable what he liked, what was easy, what he knew was correct. Now, remember, Paul's been here. He knew that the law of God was right and good. Jehovah and Yahweh, he's the man. Everybody else are pretenders. This Jesus, forget about him. I'm focused on God. And God goes, no, 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 I'm doing something new. And I want you to see it. Funny that he had to become blind to see this new thing. But God's always doing new Things. The last book of the Bible, you know what it's called? What's the last book of the Bible called? Revelation. You know what a revelation is? It's not old news. I can't reveal to you that there was a pandemic. No one in this room would be like, oh, what? People quarantined for years at a time? What? People were wearing masks everywhere they went? That's crazy. When did this happen? That's a new revelation to me. That's the old news. We're so sick of it, aren't we? I don't want to hear about that in a while. 
It's old news. It's not new revelation. And God, when he's revealing things, it's getting you to see what you were blind to or what you were just too young to understand. Remember when you were four? No, it was too long ago. Especially for you, man. Who it is? Kids like 14. We talk about, man, I remember four. I loved four. Four was awesome. But as you matured, you got more responsibility. You got more freedom. And God's saying to Peter, it doesn't have to be the way it always was. God's doing something new. You know what change is? First of all, it's hard. But it's also proof that you're alive. You know what doesn't change? Dead things. They just lay there. The only change that happens in a dead thing is deterioration and rotting, spoiling, and then being whisked away because it's worth nothing. And Paul's just excited to tell Peter. It sounds like he's scolding him, but he's, he's really kind of just excited about, oh, that's funny. I have an alarm on my phone that says, call your parents. Mom and dad, I got to tell you, I know I'm the worst son ever. Sons, call your mom once in a while, would you? I meant to put that on for Monday. I'll call you tomorrow. I don't know what happened on Sunday. Paul says, Peter, I don't want you to lose sight. You showed me that this Jesus is for everybody. Don't start shrinking back just into your holy huddle. But I get it, man, and I can show Peter a lot of grace here. I wore this shirt today because some days, man, I just want things to go back to the way they were. I just want things to go back to the way they were. Oh, remember? Remember? But then things changed on us. And I gotta tell you, I was still in love. My heart now belonged to Florida. It helped that my daughter moved there and everything, but for real, while I liked, loved, like loved the way things were, dude shows up and says, it's just a new day for me. You know what he brings back though? Some of the old, yo, Gronk, why don't you come join me? <laughs> but <clears throat> that's how Gronk talks. <laughs> and what do they do? They do what goats do. They win. And I loved it. And then things changed again. <laughs> now I got nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Thanks a lot, Giselle. <laughs> oh, it's all about me. Oh, you've been playing for 47 years. I need my Tom time. Shut it. I liked it the way things were. <laughs> how was church today? I don't, I don't know how to describe it, actually. <laughs> the pastor put Dookie on his face and then he just kept taking off his clothes. I don't know, why are we doing? What is happening? The church is weird, dog. Last time I was in that building, wasn't it a shawls? Wasn't this the produce section over here? What is happening in your church? Just tell your friends, I, I don't know, I have no idea. It's just Marco's friends, I don't know, I don't know. He seems to trust him with the microphone, I don't know why. I don't know. Let's go. He was afraid of those who believe in the religious act of becoming a Jew that uh, maybe him inviting all the non-Jews into the church might be a problem. Church, let me just make it as clear as I possibly can. From the word of Paul, from the word of the Lord, from now the testimony of Peter, who comes to accept this word and this gracious discipline, God is up to some new things. Spread the word. Don't keep it for yourself. If he's changed you, he didn't change you for you. He changed you for me and for your wife and for, for your kids, for your community, for your family, for your neighbors, for your job. That's what he changed you for. 
And Peter thinks back and goes, yo, you right. I did like it the way things were, but I can step into this new day, yo. Let's finish this up. Then the rest of the Jews followed him because they started to be afraid. And what they knew they should be doing, they weren't doing. And even Barnabas started to get fooled by those who pretended to be someone that they were not. And when I saw that they weren't being honest about the truth of this good news. I mean, what Marco said yeah, yeah, last, last week, you can't have good news unless you've experienced the bad news. Here is everyone in this world lost and needing a savior. And Peter, Barnabas, and some of the others are shrinking back going, maybe we don't tell everybody about this. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. So I spoke to Peter in front of them all and I said, if you're a Jew, but I know you're living like a Gentile, why do you make the people who are not Jews live like the Jews? Paul's simply saying this, Peter, I broke bread with you. You've eaten non-kosher things for the last 14 years. Remember God showed you a new revelation? You taught it to me. You're not living strict like the Levitical law, like, like happened with Moses writing down all the laws. You're not living like that anymore. So what are you worried about old church leaders who are going, maybe you shouldn't give this Jesus away to everybody. And Peter graciously accepts this. You and I were born Jews, Peter. We were not sinners from among the people who are not Jews. That's sarcasm because everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God for all of us. And Paul's using deep sarcasm here. Let's go to the next one. Even so, we cannot become right with God by obeying the law. You can't become right with God by just going to church or signing up for a ministry or dropping an envelope of a little bit of cash in a, in a plate or texting some money and transferring it to the church. No, no, no. That's not what saves you. Those are all expressions of things that you do because you're in love. Because you're so grateful because you knew the penalty for all your sin. Death, lost, lonely, cast out, abandoned. We see it in chapter three of the entire book, the very beginning of the book. The two that God literally gave birth to, blew his breath of life into, broke his command. And immediately they were separated from God. The people under grace, though, when they come to this cross, they know, they remember where they were and how lost they were. They haven't forgotten and now, and now, they know a person's made right with God by putting their trust in Jesus Christ. Watch this. See that? What, what's that called? That's just a period. Watch this. A person is made right with God by putting their trust in Jesus Christ. Period. It's all about you, Jesus. And that's it. This message is brought to you by a sponsor, Untangling Jesus, written by your pastor, Marco DeBarros. If you haven't gotten a copy, pick one up in the lobby. Dude's a beast, for real, man. You guys are so, you have no idea how blessed you are. I get to travel all over the place. I see pastors all over the place. Marco and Lindsay are some unique cats, y'all. They just are. And I know some of y'all are like, I don't know. I just showed up one day trying to get to the produce section and it had turned into a church. So I stayed. Well, you got lucky, dude, because you got involved in a ministry that is amazing. And I want you to show, just see this real quick. The reason we needed that cross is because of Jesus. Let's, let's, let's get to the end here. Let's go to the next one. But if I'm working towards being made right with God by keeping all the rules, dude, I make myself a sinner. The law's got no power over me. I'm dead to the obligations and the rules. and the, I don't care about those kind of things. Now, I only want to live for God. Isn't it interesting? He says, now I can live. Almost like, man, if you're so caught up in the obligations and the things you gotta do and you have to do, and you just gotta stay in line, gotta be a better person. Yeah. You've got no freedom to lift your hands in holy worship and just go, God, you're amazing. But when a sinner saved by grace has simply just prayed a prayer that says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and looks at the cross and sees the Lord not there anymore, 
because he already paid the price. And then he rose up. Now you get to do the same thing and just live free. The life we live now. Oh, it says, I have been put up on this cross to die with Christ. It's no longer me who lives, but it's only Christ who lives in and through me. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> ladies, when you're looking for your man, a man to marry, young single ladies, man, if you're old single ladies, if you're looking for that man, <laughs> don't settle. Don't just pick anybody. You want somebody who's literally able to comprehend the statement that he says for his life. Oh, sweetheart, it's no longer me who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. You know what that means? He'll be able to put you first too. <laughs> if a man has surrendered his life to the cross of Jesus Christ, he is also able to lay himself down for you. And all the single ladies be like, amen, get him, get him, stretch. People be tapping each other. Yeah, why don't you listen to this dude right up here? You lay down your life for me. God's doing a new thing. Do a new thing. I say we are not put aside the loving favor of God. No, if we could be made right with God by keeping the law, then Christ died for nothing. But Christ didn't die for nothing, did he? No, sweetheart, he died for you. He died for me. And I'm too stupid to use toilets after a half a century of experience and practice. And God says, Stretch, don't worry, baby. I got you. I have you. I got you. And he pours out this grace. Even though we know something has to die because of my sin. I don't understand it all. I just know that that's the rule. God says, your sin is so costly. It so disgusts me. I, something has to cleanse that away, and it's only paid in blood. Watch, read, read Genesis 3. Genesis 1, God is creative. Genesis 2, God is satisfied with his creation. Chapter 3, Eve and Adam get deceived, and they break God's law by... He only had one rule, and they break that rule. And immediately, you know, what, what's the first thing they noticed when they broke God's rule when they sinned? That they were naked. Dude, we've had good poop talk. We've had good stripping talk, and now we're into nakedness. They realized in their sin now that they were filled with shame, where before there was no shame. Remember, they only had the knowledge of good. You know, the only gift they got by sinning was the knowledge of all things evil. Watch, it's the first consequence. God says, you have to leave. But I know how cold and dark it is out there. And you've tried to cover your shame with some fig leaves, but that won't keep you warm. And in God's grace, he gives them animal skins and covers them to keep them warm because out in the wilderness, it's rough. And God knew it. How cool of God. But think about it. Where'd those animal skins come from? For the first time in all of eternity, something had to die. Imagine how it broke God's heart to have to lay these animals in the garden where all was life, all was good, all was nourishing, all was living, and have to introduce for himself death. And look at a couple of animals and go, I'm sorry. You've done nothing wrong. But I have to put you down. Because my favorite treasured possession has wandered away from me. And now there is separation. But I can't leave them naked and abandoned. And these animals have to die so that they can live. And then the Bible goes on to highlight the whole story of sin and how every time we sin, something has to die to pay the price.
And then we see John the Baptist, cousin of a very cool savior of mine. And he's preaching and he's teaching and he's ministering. And then in a crowded space, he looks and says, look, there goes the Lamb of God, the perfect animal who's going to lay down his life to pay a price that he doesn't owe. There he goes. That's the lamb who's going to be led to the slaughter for me. And all God's people drop to their knees and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For the rest of my life, all I want you to hear is I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoices. Take joy, my king, in what you're hearing. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. You're amazing. My debt is paid. Oh, if you're new in here, man, we, we've had, we, we, we sing songs like this sometimes. We, we, we do it like this. My debt is paid. My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate me from your great love. <sighs> your love never fails, never gives up. Ooh, never runs out on me. We say your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. This is an eternal price that Jesus has paid. You notice we no longer bring in the pure lambs and the, the goats to be slaughtered. It literally used to happen on the Day of Atonement. Everyone, every family had to bring in the best of their livestock. And the minister had the worst job of all, had to slaughter it and let the blood spill out as a symbol of paying the price for my sin. I mean, honestly, do you know how gross the Day of Atonement was when you went to church and worship that day? They talked about the rivers just flowing red for days and days and days because of that much death, because of that much sin. But now my debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate me from God's eternal love. Man, if you're new here today... I want to let you know, it's a privilege for me to introduce you to the king who loves you so much. And now, I'm not left. When the old had to go, I'm not left with nothing. No, no, no. Now I'm washed and I'm cleansed. You know, sometimes we bring big blow-up pools in the church. Why? Stretch? Why? You guys go swimming in church? No, dummy. We are washed and cleaned dead to sin and alive in Christ. And if you know what I mean, stand on your feet. If you understand being alive in Christ, worship team, lead us. Oh God, we love you. We love you so much. Everything about you is amazing. Father, your great love has paid our debt and we are forever grateful. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is new news to you, or if you've heard this and felt this for a while, but you haven't really moved on this, today is your day and now is your moment. When I was introduced to Christ, it simply sounded like this, Father, I am sorry, I'm sorry. I know my sin, I know my selfishness, I know the traps that I, I just keep falling into and I don't want it anymore, I want your way, not mine. And it all has to come through the cross. I get that now. And so Jesus, I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And immediately you will start to feel the Holy Spirit's presence because that blood, that precious blood of Christ is washing and cleansing the sin from your life and even from God's memory. I've been forgiven for, for stealing something. And I go, I, a year later, I go, God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just a thief. And God goes, What? I don't remember that. I forgave that. I separated your sin as far as the east goes from the west. I don't, I don't remember that. You're no thief to me. You're my boy. If you want to celebrate today because you know about this grace, do it. Do it. You are free to move about the building. I stood up here with the prayer team. And dude, if you're looking for a group to join, 
you show up about a half hour early on Sundays and just join the prayer team. They start praying over every chair, anointing this whole place so that God's word is just able to move. His spirit's able to be free. And we stood up here and prayed. And we just envisioned some people coming forward just to say, I've been saved. I've been saved for a while and I am grateful. Then we envisioned some people coming forward going, I ain't never been saved. I barely even understand, but I feel something. Something's been pulling at my heart and I just want to come forward and pray about it. Prayer is easy. You just say, hey God, and then you just speak your mind. There'll be people up here. Some of that prayer team, I want you to come forward and, and just be up here and pray, but look around and see if somebody wants to pray with you. And you can just ask somebody, hey, can I pray with you? And if you don't want to be prayed with, you can just go, no, I'm good. It's all right. It's not rude. Maybe you just need a moment with God. Do it. But maybe you might say, yeah, actually, you want to pray over me? This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm here for. Maybe you just have a need and you just go, I just need God to do this thing for me. The Bible says, then you're free. Come on up. Receive the grace. Go get it. Some of you just, you've been remembering your, your past life. And you're just grateful and thankful. Maybe you just want to come forward and go, I'm just, thank you, God. I shouldn't be here. I, and I shouldn't be in relationship with you. I'm a sinner, but you, 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 you cleansed me. So as we sing, you are free to move about this building. Do it. Don't stay put. Some of you may go, stretch. Every time you keep talking about new people, I keep thinking who should be here. Then let me tell you, don't linger. Don't come forward. You know somebody's got to be here during this song. Before I say you're dismissed, go. Just go. The moment they start to sing, you know who needs to hear about this grace of God. Just, excuse me, excuse me. I got to go. I got to go tell them. Make the phone call in the lobby. Get in the car and go to their house. I'll be here at 11. We'll do this again. Watch it in their living room with them. Pull it up on Tuesday. Say, y'all, I, I just want to show you. Our God is amazing. You don't have to go through this life alone. The Bible's not filled with a million rules. You can't do anything. You can't have any fun. No, it's filled with freedom and grace. All in the proper boundaries of Christ, our King. You are free to move around. Go do what you got to do, but don't leave here without saying what you need to say to God. You feel me? Man, church, I love you. What a privilege to break open God's word to you. Oh, man, you minister to me. Come on, y'all. Let's pray. Let's worship. Let's sing. Let's move. Let's go. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.